My name is Danny, among many others here. This, uh, this particular passage, we're here at, uh, we're going to pass out the Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. We're at the end of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 4, 11 to the end there. So, <clears throat> have you guys had a friend who has asked you, they call you and they say, hey, I, um, I need you, would you please do me a favor? And they just leave it. And then you, you're forced to answer them whether you know the favor or not. And, and so I, I want to ask you to do that today. This is a, a heavy passage. I don't know how to bring it to you in any other way except um, the way that it is. And so my, my favor to you is that you would submit to the passage as we, as we go into it without knowing what it's going to do. Number one. Number two, I'm also going to pray, and I want you guys to pray with me, not knowing what I'm going to pray for you. Okay? So those two things, and let's, uh, let's open in prayer here. Lord, please lead us in your word. Lord, that we would submit to it, that it would shine bright in us, Lord, that it would, sh- that it would expose every dark area of our heart. Lord, and that we would submit to its conviction. Lord, please discern the darkness in us. Cut it away that we could stand shamelessly before you under the covering of your Son, Jesus Christ. Cut away the things that are not of you to your glory. In your holy name. Amen. Let's uh, start by reading the passage. Uh, Hebrews 4.11-16. to 16. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, and of joints and of marrow, and is the discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of God, I'm sorry, to eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the book of Hebrews, I know, has been kind of lined out a little bit by uh, Bren and by other Danny. Um, but the, it's much like a sermon. And so it builds up to a point and then it kind of circles back in and it builds up to another point and it just continues to build upon these, these points. Um, and this is one of those points, okay, this he- the end of this Hebrews part. And so I can't go into too much backing up because really it starts in Hebrews chapter 1 and it builds through up until this point. And so I don't have, I can't go through that. I encourage you to look at the podcast to, to listen to that. But just to briefly summarize, Danny mentioned that our unbelief and our discontentedness can keep us from 
the rest that it's referring to there in chapter or in verse 4. It's this disobedience, this sin that can keep us from it. Bren shared that, that the unbelief is, keeps us from that rest as well that we were designed for. The rest is, you know, as Bren shared a couple weeks ago, the rest is much more than a, you know, vegging out on the couch type thing, okay? It's what it's referring to is it's referring to this end that we are, fu- we are fully, all the things are taken off of us. We are no longer encumbered, and it is, all those things are removed. And so it tells us to strive for that rest, meaning that when we rest in Jesus Christ, we actually catch a glimpse and a taste of what that rest will taste like. So what that does is that brings us up into this part. Without raising any hands, I want you guys to close your eyes, and I want you to take a second, and I want you to search out, and I want you to just take a second, and I want you to pray if there's anything in your heart that is not of him. It could be some big bag of secrets. It could be a small bag of secrets. It could be how you cheated on this or that test. Perhaps that you stole that time from work where you should have been working, but you weren't working, and so you stole from your work. Maybe it's that you've actively or passively been involved in gossip, or that you have a desire for what your neighbor, the Joneses, have. Maybe it's that you've cheated on your spouse with that book, that screen, or with that in person. I want to submit something to you guys as you're thinking through this. That that sin that you're already starting to see because of the light that's being shown on it, that there is a reason that you've perhaps been struggling with that sin. There is true struggle, okay? And I do, I don't want to, I don't want to discredit that. There is a a thing where we do struggle through sin because of our our flesh. Um, But there are also, and I want to ask you this, I want you to really think through it. Is it possible that you are struggling with this sin because you actually don't want to give up that sin? that you want to hold on to it, that you want to, there's some comfort that you find in that sin, and so you decide that I'm just going to hold on to this. I'll give, Lord, I'm going to give you this area, and I'll give you this area, and I'll give you this area, but Lord, I don't want to, I want to hold this sin here. And so I want you to be thinking through that as we go through the scripture. As we dig through this, I'm going to just break it apart piece by piece. We'll start at 12, and we'll just kind of work our way through, but be thinking about these things as we kind of work through it. The Word of God. The Word of God is, it it diagnoses the condition of a man with surgeon precision. It lays open our heart to discern spiritual health. There was a, I I was talking with a a very wise gal here, and she shared that as the Lord cuts through this, cuts through us, it's this surgeon precision. We are all in this waiting room, and we perhaps ha- we know we have a cancer, or maybe we don't know we have a cancer. And so the Word comes in, and we're nervous, right? We're nervous. We don't know. You know, can, does the surgeon know what they're doing? Do they have enough malpractice insurance? Do they, do they have what they need? Have they gone to the right school? What have they done? How do, they, how do I know they can take care of this cancer that's in my life? And the person that walks in comes in with great, his greatest surgeon precision and can cut away. And he says, I can do this no problem. The word is also, it's living and active. The word of God has the power to heal and deliver us and cleanse us from sin. It illuminates and guides us. 
Jesus himself is described as the Word in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of them of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word is also the Son. When we abide in the word, we are also proven to be true disciples. The word is also a seed that brings life and changes the soil of which it's planted. The soil doesn't have life. The seed has life and brings the life to the soil. The word of God is not dead. It's no wonder that a preacher, that we, oftentimes when we sit here, we, we think, man, is the sermon directed straight at me? Did somehow the pastor take that sermon because of something maybe I said or something that he's, he's privy to and, and craft this sermon so that he could direct it at me? And the answer is no. The word discerns your heart. The word is the one that cuts to each point of you. It says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. God's word reaches us with surprising precision. There's a quote, and it says, A sword with two edges has no blunt side. It cuts both this way and that way, and the revelation God has given us in the Holy Scriptures has edges all over. It is alive in every part, and every part is keen to cut conscience and wound the heart. Depend upon it. And there, there is no superfluous verse in the Bible, and there's no chapter that is useless. While it has an edge, it also has a point, piercing even to the dividing of soul and of spirit. The difficulty with some people's hearts is getting to it. There's so much hardness, and so it's difficult to get to it. The writer of Hebrews makes a distinction between soul and spirit, and we could go into that for a long time, but I don't, I don't want to. What I want to do is just briefly describe to you that soul, as it's being referenced here, is, is more like our mind, our emotions, ourselves, our spirit is, is drawing us towards it. The Lord draws our spirit towards him. And the reason I bring that up, that distinction, is because I, as I think through it, can't discern the difference. But it says that the word can't. It can divide the soul and the spirit. It knows between soul and spirit. We don't. We don't have any clue. We don't know. But this, the word does. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. David says in the Psalms, O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit up and when I rise, sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, and I cannot attain it. It goes on to say, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the path of everlasting. The word can turn you inside out. It turns your heart inside out, laying it bare. There is a reason why you are tempted to not get in the Scripture. There is a reason that you are tempted 
to not come into the sermon and come into for worship because it discerns your heart and you don't want it. It says that no creature is hidden from his sight. Again, referencing John 1 in that. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. When it talks about naked, we're reminded about the Garden of Eden. We're reminded that um, Adam and Eve, when they were brought into sin, they, ha- they felt shame and they ran. And that's very similar to what we feel. There is that, even now you guys are from that bag of, of sin that the Lord is exposing in your hearts. There's already a shame because you're hiding it. Bring it out into the open. It's already out. In the, the Lord already knows it. We just have to submit to the cutting that comes with that. It says that we're exposed. To be exposed in this sense is to be literally thrown on your back and your neck laid bare. As a victim, exposed to the sacrifice. Romans says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. That scripture is asking us, is pleading with us to submit and to bring ourselves into that submission. There are so too many times that we hide our sin, that we, we say we can handle it ourselves. We can do it ourselves. We can kick this on our own. Or perhaps it's a little different than that. Maybe it's that, hey, it's okay for just this weekend. It's okay for just this time. Or maybe even different. Maybe it's, I enjoy this sin. And the scripture is asking us to submit to that exposing. As an elder at Rev here, I had the privilege of being invited to the staff retreat. Thank you to the staff, by the way, for letting me do that. And while I was there, they had, I'll set this picture for you. We had this, uh, we were sitting here in a circle and I don't think there was a fire, but there was at least a fireplace over here. And so uh, we're all sitting in this circle, and again, a Danny um, led, us in, led us in this time of communion. And what he had us do was he had us sit and take a piece of paper and write out the sins that we had ever committed that we could think of. And as I was sitting there, I was writing that, I was writing down these sins and and, and he made the point to say, whether it was, in, whether it was before Christ or whether it, was it, whether it was after Christ, something that you've maybe struggled with. And I got to writing through this, and I was writing it down, and, and I got nervous. I said, man, what if he asks us to read this in front of this group here? And I said, and I kind of worked it out in myself, and I was like, oh, I think it's okay. I, I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And so then we continued on. And we continue writing. And, th- and then I realized that he asked us to write before Christ and after Christ, in and, and which I, I was writing that, but I realized, man, if he does ask me to read this, they may not know which sins I am struggling with and which strung- sins I was struggling with. So I got kind of nervous about that. And he did ask us to read it. And I, and I thought, I was like, man, maybe I'll qualify it. Well, this one was, you know, this one was then and this one was now and and I thought maybe I would do that to save myself. And the purpose of what he was walking us through was to show us the depravity from which we were saved. But in this sense, 
what I want you guys to think about is that, that, is that the Word can cut this from you. The Word, it brings it out into the open. It brings it out into exposure. It's, it's allow, you're allowing yourself, when you list this out, when you confess it to a fellow brother or sister, when you do that, you are bringing it into ex- exposing it to the light. The darkness has no power in the light. The darkness cannot overcome the light. So when you bring it into that light, it loses its power. And that's what it's asking us to do. It goes on to describe who's doing the cutting. Who is that surgeon that we were referring to earlier that walks through the door and says, I can do this? Verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was out sin. I'm not going to go too deep into the high priest part because otherwise Bren would have nothing to talk about the next couple weeks. So he will hit on that much more here in the next little bit. But let's focus on this other part. Let's hold on to the confession because we have a, a great high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness. There is a, a quote here, and it talks about this sympathizing with our weakness. Sometimes we think that because Jesus is God, he could not have known temptation the way we do. In part, this is true. Jesus faced temptation much more severely than we could ever and could ever and ever will do. The sinless one knows temptation in a way we don't because the only, only the one who has never gives in to temptation knows the full strength of temptation, and to a degree that we will never know. So we have all given in to temptation. And so because we gave in to that temptation, the temptation stopped. The enemy had absolutely no need to continue to press us in that because we gave in. Jesus, on the other hand, having lived sinlessly and perfectly, the temptation never stopped. He was tempted so much further than we ever could. Because of that, he sympathizes with what you're going through. He sympathizes with the temptation to go do this thing or that thing, that bag of secrets that we were talking about. He sympathizes with that, but was triumphant over it because he was sinless. There are so many times that we think, this is another quote, that Spurgeon said, do not imagine that if the Lord had sinned, he would be any more tender toward you. For sin is always of a hardening nature. If the Christ of God could have sinned, he would have lost perfect perfection in his sympathetic nature. Guys, if he had sinned, he couldn't sympathize with us. When you think that Jesus Christ would know, sometimes we, don't, we wouldn't ever say this, I don't think, but we think it that he didn't go through the depths of sin and then come out of it, which is, I disagree with, but he, I, he did go through that because he took on all that sin on the, at the cross. But he was sinless because he never committed those sins himself. But we sometimes say, because he didn't go through this and come out of it, he, he doesn't totally understand, or that person doesn't totally understand, and sin hardens your hearts. It doesn't Soften your hearts. The only way your heart is softened is through the sinlessness of Christ. 
Because of that, we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Confidence does not mean proudly, arrogantly, or presumptuously. Confidence instead means that we can constantly approach the throne of grace. We can do it without reservation. We can do it freely without fancy words. We can come persistently with reverence. The Jewish rabbis would teach that that God had two thrones, one for mercy and one for judgment, because they couldn't, they couldn't reconcile the idea that God could somehow, from one place, reconcile these two attributes of himself. But we see here in this scripture that his justice and his mercy are satisfied on one throne of grace. Because Jesus Christ came, and because he lived sinlessly, and because he gave himself for us, and because he took that sin on himself, rose from the dead, and ascended, and is now at the right hand of the Father, we can approach confidently for grace and help at the time of need. What this is all building towards is that there is that bag in your heart, that cancer in your heart, and we are asking you, the scripture is asking you, is pleading with you to submit to that scripture, to submit to the word, to submit to Jesus Christ, and allow that cutting to occur. Allow the cutting of the, what is not of him to occur and come pull it out of your heart. If you need help doing that, please ask somebody. I'm going to come back to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit and down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the path of everlasting. This passage, as it builds up, is just really pleading with you guys, pleading with me to pray earnestly daily, to pray persistently, to shine that light in our hearts, to submit ourselves to the word so that we can, so that the, it would illuminate our hearts and we would know if there was any darkness, any grievous way in us. That's what it's asking us to do. That's what it's been building up to. And it goes on to talk about the great high priest and just how miraculous that is. But this point in the passage here of Hebrews is geared to tell you, bring it out in the open. Don't hold on to it. I've got a, a little boy. I got a little girl too. My little boy, he, uh, he was complaining the other day. And, uh, and then he got so riled up by this complaining that he, he uh, got angry. And, and so I, I saw something in him that is just out, so outside his character. And I sat down with him and I said, buddy, 
Did you feel that darkness in your heart? Did you feel what was pulling you to do that? And we talked about that. We got a chance to talk about how he's just a little, he's a little guy. He's about four years old. And he got a chance to kind of talk like this. I was doing something I didn't want to do. And he got a kind of chance to talk through that. And then later on, this was probably days, maybe even weeks later, he did something similar. And he said, Daddy, I feel that darkness in my heart. I said, buddy, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Let's give that up. You don't need to hold that. I don't want that for you. Any of you guys who are are parents or have seen a great friend go and do something that you know is bad for them, you know how the Lord is approaching you if you've experienced that. I think every one of us has seen that. Every one of us has seen a friend do something that, that we know isn't good, doing something that we know isn't good for them. And the Lord, the way he approaches us in that caring, compassionate, but yet skillful, surgeon way, because he's ferociously attacking the sin in our hearts. It's asking you to submit to that cutting. Submit to Jesus Christ. As the band comes up here, I want to ask you guys a couple questions. As you are praying through this, uh, this illumination that's already in your heart, that's starting to occur, you can feel that resistance. You can feel that temptation to, to steer away from it, to do something different. And I ask you to resist that. I'm asking you to dig into the word anyways, to allow it to illuminate your hearts and submit to that cutting. I'm going to ask you guys another question. If you guys, again, there's a struggle that occurs, and I know that. I know there's a struggle, but I'm going to ask you, there's a chance that if you are holding on to, you're actively resisting the word of God, my question to you is, do you actually, have you actually submitted to him, Jesus Christ, as Lord of your life? Have you submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord? Boss, the decider of what I do. Have you submitted to him? As we play this song here, this song is going to do, is about approaching boldly the throne of of grace. Just really talking about this passage. This song is a great, great choice here. And I want to encourage you guys, please, 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 Dig into the scripture. Confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. If there's a neighbor that you need to confess to or there's something going on, please confess it. Even if it may not be against that neighbor and you need to confess it for your own well-being, please do it. If you need to seek out me or one of the other elders to, do, to, to confess to, please do. If you don't yet have a relationship, this relationship with Christ, let me tell you, this is scary if you don't have this relationship, but there's freedom There is freedom in being released from that sin and giving it to him. So as we play this song that talks about approaching the throne boldly, I ask you to approach the throne boldly. Give these things to the Lord that you might be healed. I want to pray this really quick and then we'll sing here. I want to pray this again over you. Lord, please lead us in your word and that we might submit to it. 
that it would shine bright on us, exposing every dark part of our heart, that we would submit to that conviction. Lord, please discern the darkness in our hearts. Cut it away, that we could stand shamelessly under the cover of Jesus Christ. Cut away the things in us that are not of you, all for your glory. Amen.